listener production. Australia Today's Morning Agenda with Natasha Belling. Welcome to another edition of the Summer Series of Morning Agenda, where we take a look at the big stories and issues that have set the agenda throughout the year. As 2022 comes to a close, it's often a time for reflection and to learn lessons from the many challenges some of us have faced this year. This year, 2022, marked the 20th anniversary of the Bali terror attacks that killed 202 people, including 88 Australians. Two decades on, for the many families who lost loved ones and for the many victims and survivors, the physical and emotional scars remain. Ali Donaldson is a senior journalist from Network 10 and was one of the first reporters on the ground in Bali after the terror attacks in October 2002. And this year, she wanted to put together a compelling podcast and TV documentary to commemorate the 20th anniversary and to also remind many of us we must never forget. Ali spoke to the many first responders, the survivors and heroes who not only shared horrific stories of what unfolded that night on the streets of Bali, but also the many life lessons all of us can learn about the human spirit, the power of resilience and the gift of forgiveness. And joining us now is Ali Donaldson, a senior journalist with Network 10. Ali, thanks so much for joining us. Good morning, Tash. How are you? I am well, thank you. Why was covering this anniversary so important to you? Tash, I think it's one of those events that not only shaped Australia and Indonesia, it helped shape global events. But I was up there 20 years ago. I flew in the day after and met the most incredible people at their rawest moments when they're dealing with an unthinkable tragedy how this human spirit pushed through. And over the years, I've stayed in contact with many of the survivors and think the paths their lives have taken have just been incredible. And I do think there's a lot that we could learn from them on how to deal with adversity, how to push through grief, find forgiveness, find healing. And that's what I've loved with both your podcast and also the series on Network 10 called Shockwaves, the Bali Bombings, is the fact that you do go through the awful experiences and the death and destruction that these horrific terror attacks are cause for so many, but also the positive angle from it, what we can all learn, that we can get triumph often out of enormous tragedy. Firstly, though, take us through what it was like on the ground when you arrived. So we flew in um, the next day, but it was in the early hours, so it's still dark, and we went straight to, I'd covered it that day for Network 10, and I remember coming in hearing one or two people dead, three dead, the mm-hmm. death toll just kept rising, and then we got on a plane, I did the lead story, got on a plane, and went straight to the site. Now, the Sari Club was the place to go to up in Bali for Western tourists. It was a Saturday night, so we knew it was going to be packed. There were hundreds and hundreds of people in there including like a group of Australian mums who had decided to take their teenage daughters out for the night while the dads stayed back at the hotels. Um, it's the sort of place where young um, teenagers could go with their parents. It was a really fun place, like a grass thatched roof, um, big, big club. And when we arrived, I just never forget, Tash, there was a lady's hand outside mm. with wedding rings and it was just unbelievable. It was just horror and people were coming there in shock um, as just as daylight started breaking. 
and a massive, massive rubble pile. I remember thinking, why is that bigger than the club? It had just done, the, the windows had been blown out kilometres back. So as we were driving up, you could see the destruction as you were pulling up. But the site itself, um, just incredible destruction. Completely obliterated? Yeah, there was, there was nothing left. It was, but there, at that stage, I mean, the Balinese are beautiful people. Mm. They're Hindus. And they um, were doing everything they could to comfort people. But at that stage, there was still, uh, the site hadn't been cordoned off yet. And uh, I'd, I'd hope never to see anything like that again. It was terrible. As you mentioned earlier, Ali, you have kept in close contact with a lot of the survivors and a lot of their families. We're just going to play a bit of audio from one of the survivors, Eric DeHart. Let's take a quick listen. You know, and I was, I'm a pretty big bloke and you've got a ridge cap and it's burning and it's about a foot thick. So I had to um, decide if I could run across it and I knew I'd, I'd go straight through it. Um, so I had to turn around. I made the decision to turn around that I couldn't help the girls to turn around and try and find someone that I could help. Um, you know, and you make, you make decisions under difficult circumstances and you, it was the right decision. I know it was the right decision, but I've got to live with the consequences of that decision. Ali, tell us about Eric. Eric is the most beautiful soul, Tash. She was with the Coogee Dolphins NRL team. It was end-of-season footy trips. A lot of footy teams were up there. And he'd made the split-second decision to take one of, the, um, one of his teammates back to the hotel because he was really drunk. Eric's like a really caring sort of mm. person. So that decision saved his and his mate's life. As he came back up to the Surrey Club, everyone was running away. It was sheer and utter panic. Um, and he went back to find his teammates, to pull people out, to save lives. He saved countless people that night. But there were some that he's describing there he couldn't reach. And those people and those moments have haunted Eric. But every year I speak to him on the anniversaries and he's made this decision to keep speaking because a lot of people can't and he doesn't want it forgotten. And this is really important too. I think a lot of people don't realise what happened up there. 202 people died, Mm. 88 Australians. It was our worst peacetime atrocity. And it affected countless more lives. So Eric has had to push through his own grief, his own survivor's guilt. He came back, there were shots of him at the airport bawling his eyes out and other teammates, relatives were hugging him saying, it's okay, you've come back, Mm. you've got to be the one to tell us what happened. And he's held on to that thought. And in recent years, he's even faced trolling tash from people on social media saying, when are you going to get over this and how much money are you getting paid? Mm. Which, when he told me that about three years ago, it was one of the impetuses behind doing this series because I thought he is still a hero in my eyes today. They don't like those words bandied around, of course, but in my eyes he is because he still takes the brunt of these shockwaves on behalf of others so that we don't forget what happened and we do see how the human spirit can um, champion over this sort of terrible action. So both this podcast and this series on Network 10, Ali, you did all the interviews yourself. You were heavily involved in the producing of it, choosing the different vision. But there was still, I remember you said this to me, you've covered this extensively over the past 20 years and one of the first journalists on the ground with, when these atrocities unfolded. But you found out new stories and new details about these bombings that you'd never heard previously about. 
Oh, this is the astounding thing, Tash. Every year when I touch base with them, I'm shocked at the curveballs thrown. Um, and even, you know, at other times during the year, I'll just be catching up with them. Mm. If I'm up in Bali, I've caught up with some locals up there quite a few times. Nilu Erniati is one of the widows, the Balinese wid- widows, and her husband, um, G'day, was working in the Sari Club. And we've come across never-before-seen footage in making this documentary um, and also doing the podcast of G'day at Work just days before mm. he died, um, which is now very precious to Nilu, of course. But um, she had a one-year-old and a nine-year-old son at the time and was left absolutely penniless. It took her four months to find her husband's body. And she only mm. survived, really, because some Australians, an Australian couple donated sewing machines to the Balinese widows so they could sew and make a little bit of money. And with that little bit of money, she was able to um, do a burial ceremony for her husband. And eventually, she's wound up putting her sons through uni. But when the bombers went on trial, she went to court and she wanted to shoot them herself, she told us. I think you might have a little bit of audio on this. But she wanted the death penalty. And then another really amazing thing happened. So I can fill you in on that if you want to listen to what she said at court. Let's take a listen. I want to shoot them by myself. You would shoot them? Yes, sure. Why? Because uh, my husband dead because them and my son, they lost their good future. Their future? Yeah. And we forget about the locals, Ali. Absolutely horrific for so many of the beautiful Balinese people. They are beautiful and 38 Indonesians died in this attack. So what Neela did is she went and met, but when she did that in court, one of the bombers, Ali Imran, Mm. broke down and he repented and he then escaped the death squad. So two of his brothers died in front of a firing squad because they never repented. He um, was given life in jail instead. And she then went and met him and his other brother, Ali Fauzi, because she said to me she wanted to know would they do this. And they then worked together through this program because it was about releasing the pain inside her heart. She said it was just eating her up and she didn't want her own sons to go down this cycle of vengeance and revenge. And so the Indo government has um, pioneered this, which is being run through the jails there. Uh, a um, de-radicalisation program and they put them in touch with victims. So Nilu and Ali Imran and Ali Fauzi, they now tour schools together and talk about the power of forgiveness. I know. Mm. And so this is what she was telling me this year and I was shocked again. And so we went to um, some schools with them and all the little kids, they're all buzzing in that they're so cute, they're so beautiful. They're all Mm. buzzing in that when you turn up. But the minute she starts talking and she's there with him, they are absolutely enraptured with everything she's saying and they're saying together and about the importance of breaking this terror cycle. And she said the biggest gift it's given is to her two sons who she's managed to put through university Mm. and one of them is now working in the hospitals where 20 years ago all the Australians were fighting for their lives. The full circle and the power of forgiveness. Yeah. Now, it's not for everyone. It's a very radical program mm. and um, it draws a lot of uh, the the bombers coming out now, getting reprieves, will go into these programs. And I know for a lot of Australians, that's just something they can't swallow. Yes. It's like, no, they've killed 202 people. But this is the Indonesian system and they treat drugs, drug crimes, a lot worse than anything else. 
they believe that that's the number one. So that's why our members of our Bali Nine up there died in front of a firing squad as well. It's hard for survivors here to reconcile that, that Bali Nine, Australia's Bali Nine people died and yet these bombers can be out. But it's the Indonesian system and um, you would argue over the past 17 or so years, it's largely worked because we haven't had, it is breaking the militias up there and we haven't had any more bombings. And this was a really great threat to our global security at the time. Ali, during your podcast and your series on Channel 10, you speak to a lot of survivors, but you speak to truly inspirational Australians. And sometimes we throw the word hero around, but they are heroes. The amount of lives they saved and the extraordinary beauty of the human spirit in the worst of times. And someone you did speak to was Dr. Fiona Wood. Let's take a listen to what she had to say. And I'm a great believer in each and every one of us working towards a society that we're proud of, based on the integrity of each and every one of us, not abdicating to intellect of the few, not abdicating to people who make decisions to go to war, or make decisions to cause such terror that we all need to stand up maybe and be counted. And in doing that, maybe we will have a society, communities that we're proud to hand on to our kids and our grandkids. Really beautiful. Ali, tell us about Dr. Wood because she is a truly extraordinary Australian. Oh, confession time, Tash. We're both crying mm. at the end of that interview. Mm. She is, I've been a journalist for about 30 years. This was my favourite ever interview, I think. She is incredible. At the time, she had six children. Her eldest was doing his HSC when the bomb happened. And so she talks us through, you know, that she calls it the noise was growing, you know, we're getting more and more and more. And remarkably, they'd just done a plan based off one of the big um, uh, gas companies had come to them and said, if there's an oil rig explosion offshore, what do we do? And they'd done this plan and had been ratified by Australia and New Zealand's governments. And she said, little did we know, just a few months later, we were hitting the go button on it because more than 50 badly burnt and blast victims were sent to Australia. That what happened then, like the triaging and all hospitals all around Australia, but she led the charge on it, saving lives, and she has this pioneering spray-on skin. skin. Yes, and so that's fascinating as well, how they um, revolutionised burns treatments with her spray-on skin, and it saved countless lives. But I wanted to speak to her about how she kept it together during that time, what mm. her tips were. And I think these are really important things. When there's so much on your shoulders, how do you keep going? And a lot of it, she said to me, was about knowing your boundaries. So she would often go down to the, well, every night she said she'd go down to Perth City Beach and just exhale. Like A lot of the survivors I speak to, their connectivity with the natural world is a really yes. important thing. And the Balinese believe this. The Hindu Balinese believe that the world spirits come to the oak rest in the oceans around their island. And so a lot of their um, uh, spirituality is based around the ocean. And so that was another hook for me is how you deal with this intense grief, how you heal physically, but also emotionally. And not just for those who are at, you know, the forefront of what happened, but those that are supporting and saving lives. And even one of the other survivors I spoke to, Simon Quayle, who was up there with Perth Kingsley Cats and he was in the club at the time, 
um, quite a number of his team died as well. But I interviewed his wife, Nori, because what she had to do to keep him going and support the community, like when it happened, she was back in Perth and by the next day she had, you know, countless people in her house who she didn't know because her husband was the coach of this footy team. She never really got to know them. Mm. They're all in her house and she's the key support network to everyone as they're struggling to find out what happened because this, of course, was largely before everyone had mobile phones or any social media. So I wanted to speak to those support networks too on how they keep going because in many ways they need preservation rules in place as well to make sure they stay strong and healthy. As Fiona said, Dr Fiona Wood said, you've got to keep the best of you for your best people so you can give your best back to your family and loved ones and not be all consumed by what you're dealing with. Incredibly wise words. As we know, the 20th anniversary of the Bali terror attacks was on the 12th of October It killed 202 people, including 88 Australians. Why do you think it's important we never forget, Ali? I think it's important because as time passes, and it's one of the reasons I called it shockwaves, the ripple effect keeps going on people um, to show how humans can pull together in the face of adversity, particularly at a time when we've come through like a pandemic and everything, how do you pull together what a sense of belonging means to people and how at every level you can make a difference. A lot of the time too, it's the really simple gestures. So I've interviewed the youngest victim who survived, Megan Bassioli. She's a Perth girl and she was only 14 at the time and her dad died. She'd hassled him to take her and he died in in the attack. She suffered terrible burns. But some very special strangers came to her aid and they were teenagers and they were young boys. And I really wanted to tap into that because the effect these guys had on her at the time, one of them, a complete stranger, just sat with her for hours by the hotel pool before she could be taken to hospital, just holding her hand, just talking to her. And she said those really simple gestures, everyone can do this. It's not beyond the realms of anyone. Just having a chat, just listening. Eric DeHart said that to me too. He said the power of just having a listen to someone is really important. And Megan's gone on to become an emergency department nurse in (laughs) Perth. Yeah, because she'd learnt this power of the bedside manner and just being present with people when you can be. It can take just a really small little gesture and it can save people's lives. Congratulations on the extraordinary work with both the documentary on Channel 10 and also the podcast. I know you've worked incredibly hard to give a really important platform to tell these really important stories that can make a difference to so many. Ali, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, Tash. Thanks a lot. And you can find Shockwaves The Bali Bombings on the Listener app and also episodes of Shockwaves The Bali Bombings documentary on 10Play app. Listener.